Whoa. Welcome to the Wellness Whisperer Podcast. I'm Brenda Geiger, your host and the owner of Well Well Marketing. Each week, I talk with doctors and healers who are making the world healthier one client at a time. Learn how these wellness whisperers are bringing health and happiness back to their communities through integrative medicine, Eastern medicine, Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, and alternative medicine. Today, I visit with Dr. Sarah Kachera, a functional chiropractor in Kansas City. In addition to her chiropractic work, Sarah is an Ayurvedic practitioner, a yoga teacher, and an author. She is the author of the Ayurvedic Self-Care Handbook and Seven Ways of Ayurveda. Sarah brings her love of movement, wellness, and teaching to every chiropractic and Ayurvedic session. Let's dive in. Today, we're here to talk to one of my favorite wellness whisperers, Dr. Sarah Gachera. You did, yeah. And we are in the crossroads of Kansas City, which is a very groovy neighborhood. And she has opened a new practice starting, when did you open? One year ago. Yes. Called LAC. Yes. I yes. said it right. You did. <laughs> Which is a Czechoslovakian descent, correct? Yeah. Which is your heritage? Exactly. Yes. Yes. You know it all. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's my, uh, Czech is my background and um, in naming a new business, I wanted something that felt like it was connected to me mm-hmm. and luck means remedy or medicine or cure. So just, you know, felt really good. Awesome. Yeah. Good pick. And you can spell it easy. Yeah. L-E-K. And your URL is? It's the luck, KC, so T-H-E-L-E-K-K-C.com. Very short and sweet, very business savvy. <laughs> okay, so we're going to back up. I've known Sarah for a while. I went to her yoga classes for maybe two or three years, um, and it really was life, uh, life-saving for me. I was going through a very stressful period. I remember coming to your classes and literally crying on the mat. You're um, not the only one. <laughs> getting me through that time. Um, let's talk about why you were interested, what influenced you to go into chiropractic work? Why did you want to become a doctor? Yeah. Well, I didn't know I wanted to from the start. I thought, I, I knew I wanted to be involved in helping people um, with health. And I also have always been interested in movement. And so I originally thought I wanted to go into physical therapy. And at the time, when applying to physical therapy schools, you had to do a bunch of volunteer work, which I was doing. And in volunteering, I realized, I don't like this. Um, And now, like years later, when I refer to physical therapists, there are people who are working in a way that seems much more appealing to me. But at the time, it was people who were in pain, post-surgery, a lot of um, older people, which is fine. It just wasn't at the time the demographic that I wanted to work with. And so I didn't go to chiropractic college right away. I worked a little bit in corporate wellness for three years until I realized, oh, there's like another option where I can um, work with people with musculoskeletal conditions um, in a similar capacity and be preventive and curative as well. And here we are. (laughs) <laughs> so thank God they had that volunteer component because that kind of maybe saved yeah. 10 years of your life. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and by sure. the way, 
Sarah looks amazingly like 22 years old, but she's not. She's I'm in her 40s. Old. I won't reveal the actual <laughs> age, but she's, you know, she is healthy as in oh. like, Let's put her on a microscope and she walks her talk. <laughs> Tell us how you get, um, how, do you, how do you heal people in the chiropractic spectrum without medication? Mm. Well, the biggest way I would say is that I take time to educate people. So, of course, I'm doing things like a chiropractor does and assessing and diagnosing and um, asking all the right questions. Um, I'm also hoping that in questioning them, I'm building a story, um, like to hear their story and um, where they began. Um, but for me, it's not just what I'm doing, like, and the way I explain it to patients is this isn't just passive care where I do something to you and you leave, right? That, this is us working together, we formulate a plan together, and um, some of it will be passive because I'm going to be you know, applying a therapy method or um, an adjustment or mu some muscle work or fascial work, but then you have stuff to do too. And so that education piece I feel is really important because no one was given a user manual. On their body. Yeah, <laughs> at all. No. And why not? Because if we can know um, a little bit about biomechanics or even just our own movement patterns, it's so valuable. So I think for me that, you know, chiropractors are helpful for many reasons, but in terms of like the way I approach things, I think that it's that education, education that's really the most important. I like the partnership and I like that you're working together and that we have assignments as the patients because mm -hmm. I think in the American healthcare system it's like here's your drug go home and yeah. they don't do anything to change anything so yeah. you're not going to get better and you're going to be on that for the rest of your life so this yeah. is very proactive and partnership. Right. right and I think I also really strive to create a space where they can ask questions because um, you mentioned just some of the things that maybe we feel are, are gaps in other Western approaches and um, you're rarely given time to just ask, you know, so. Like you're waiting yeah. for them to walk through the door, you know yeah. it's going to be like a turnstile. Right. Okay, let's talk a little bit about your yoga studio because Sarah is tri-talented. She's got the chiropractic <laughs> business, she teaches yoga, and she is an expert in Ayurveda, which we'll get to. But let's go back to you opened a huge studio, the one that I went to called Sage in 2011. Mm -hmm. And tell, tell us what you offered there and how you built that yoga practice. Mm -hmm. Sage began um, out of another yoga studio. So Sage originally was my just my chiropractic practice and I was working doing um, some yoga therapy and private yoga sessions. Um, and when I absorbed another studio, which I was, was also working, Kansas City Yoga, um, at the time I added a little bit, which would have been another chiropractor and a massage therapist, and we outgrew our location. So the big place that you're talking about mm -hmm. had at the center of everything, so the main thread, the main sutra running through it all, was Ayurveda. Um, probably most people would come to us first and foremost for yoga, I think is how people would discover us. Mm -hmm. um, so yoga was a huge offering, um, but Ayurveda really was a part of everything. So if you were taking a yoga class, um, there were hints of Ayurveda throughout. If you were getting a massage, we had Ayurvedic therapies, chiropractic care, we had a big apothecary, so a nice little retail um, space as well. Yeah, and everything just basically 
helping to foster and aid people in like feeling their best in a way that was of interest to them, which was like you mentioned, the non-pharmaceutical approach. Right. Yeah. Right. And you're right. You, you, you walked in, you were embraced because you had this wonderful decor. It was a loft. And I just remember, <laughs> yeah, you start with yoga, I moved on to massage, then bought some Mm-hmm. Love that triple. I had yeah. a little bit on that stuff. You turned me on to the yeah. that's life changing. Yeah. So it was, um, it was, and then you just set people out the door with that piece of ginger candy. Yeah. And, <laughs> people filling their pockets with that gin, those ginger chews. <laughs> I can't read my writing here. Oh, one of the yoga chants that I do at In Bliss mm-hmm. is for the, uh, it's the, um, Panchali, honoring your past teachers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Would you tell us which teachers have influenced your work yeah. and your direction in life that you're honoring? Mm-hmm. Most immediately is Gina Caputo, who's also a dear, dear friend of mine. And um, I don't think I was, you know, there's a saying, like, the teacher will appear, right? Um, she at the time was one of maybe a handful of yoga studios and I started practicing with her and knew right away like there's something different about her Mm -hmm. um she's just very down to earth and authentic and curious which to me is a value that it's just so important and it's funny um willing to be wrong really you know to ask the right questions discipline like the whole thing and so I've learned so much from her and I think I've practiced with other teachers, um, whether that, whether we're saying like, or learned, whether it's chiropractic, um, yoga, Ayurveda, what have you, but she being like someone that I can access, like sometimes you have teachers that hold themselves at a distance. Um, she's definitely, yeah, she's the one. She, um, had an energy and a following. Mm -hmm. I mean, she could really rally people. Mm -hmm. Um, to be the best. Yep. I remember her coming to Kansas City Yoga and mm-hmm. just like, wow, people just lit up. Gina's yeah. not here. Yeah. Yeah. So yep. It's so it's great. Super <laughs> yeah, it's so sure. great that she supported you. And that's mm-hmm. what I like about the Kansas City Yoga community is that all the instructors aren't competitive. They're very supportive and um, yeah. it's a, a network of just love. It's right. so Yeah, you just know. I mean, there are teachers that I don't think I've met, but we know that we're both teachers or at the mm-hmm. time we're both studio owners and you just automatically are like, yeah, yeah like we're one and the same. Right. Yeah. Right. That's, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. So um, describe to my listeners how you personally live the Ayurveda way. Mm-hmm. I need to back up and define what Ayurveda yeah. is and then tell them <laughs> how you live it. Okay. So I have to be a little succinct because I could really go on. Um, okay. This is a very complex system and at the same time it's also sim- simplistic as well um, so Ayurveda is a system of medicine it's a sister science to yoga so it comes from India as well it's considered the oldest form of sustained medicine on the planet um, it's very traditional in the way that we don't use pharmaceuticals we use nature as a form of healing um, which does not just mean we're using herbs or food but learning to live with the rhythms of nature um, the nature that exists outside of us, the nature that exists within us, which I think is probably the, the most important thing that Ayurveda teaches us is who are you? You know, who am I and what do I need? Um, which is different from you. Like right. there may be general things, general guidelines, general things that we can both follow and feel really well. 
Um, but aside from that, it comes down to who am I in this moment? What do I need right now to feel my best? So truly the biggest thing I think that I can say in terms of living an Ayurvedic lifestyle is that everything is with intention. Um, that you no longer just say, I'm going to have this food because I think it's healthy because there's other qualities that go along with it as well. It's like, what is the season telling me? What is the time of day? Like what, what's the season of life for me? Am I really busy with work? Do I have a lot of travel? Are we in summer? Because everything sort of indicates that we need something different as a form of nourishment. And that extends obviously beyond food. Um, and probably the other thing is just routine. Um, I know that sounds a little dry, right? The idea of routine, but routine in the form of what are the things I need every morning or every night or every day to really always feel my best. And it might be something as simple as using a tongue cleaner, <laughs> which I use, or um, a, an herbal oil that's called nausea oil that you use in your nasal passages. It's just, uh, you know, not so glamorous, but very, very important. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I bought my tongue scraper. Yeah. <laughs> 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 some good habits. And it's a good one. I think society, unfortunately, is we, we don't have a rhythm and we don't necessarily stay in our routine. And I know that when I do, I do feel better. Like I go to mm -hmm. bed at 10, I get up at mm -hmm. 6. Um, have a lot of water yeah. in the morning before coffee, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I find that my whole household feels better because my cat will follow me to bed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Until we get started. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? I know. Well, that's one of the best examples, right? Like, animals have a routine, and um, for people that have children, they have a routine. Why would we not have a routine? Right. And and we and then that will feel better if we're honoring that right. and not jumping all over the place. Right. Right. Um, so you're very entrepreneurial, and I compliment you for that. Um, tell us about your pop-up apothecary. You did that for a certain amount of time, and yeah. was it well received? And mm -hmm. with your yogis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, our apothecary at Sage started as a pop-up, um, as a holiday pop-up, and it was really just a trial period. You know, we had already a small offering of some products, and um, to be able to expand, um, we needed a little more space, and it just so happened that the space next to us that used to be occupied by an artist, and she had moved, it was open, so mm -hmm. like, let's just see if we put a little something in here, <laughs> if people will be interested, and people were, and it felt like such a compliment because I could recommend Trifala, or mm -hmm. Tom Cleaner, mm -hmm. or Nazi Oil, or whatever it is, and instead of you going on a hunt to figure out what is this, yes. it's right there, right? right? It's already um, a part of what we're doing. So it was nice because um, we could curate a very conscious selection of goods in mm -hmm. terms of what are the, the um, values of the maker, um, where do these things come from, like um, where are these herbs farmed, all of that and feel really good about what we were offering because we knew it was a good product and where it came from was good. And so it added a lot and mm -hmm. it was successful in the way that, um, I mean, in the intent of what I wanted it to be, that it was uh, giving access to things that you may not normally have access to. I know everyone can't see what's to the, to the left of me, but you have many offerings here. Would this be a mini, mini version this of This is the, the most mini of <laughs> the miniest apothecary. Yeah, and I'm, I'm slowly building and kind of um, 
feeling out like what kinds of things are best now. Because the apothecary before, which expanded beyond the pop-up, I also had a huge um, offering of herbal um, where I could mix herbs for people mm. and formulate. So if you came and you said, I have um, a certain digestive condition or skin condition, I can give you things to help with like lifestyle changes, but then I could also mix the formula for you. Um, and that right now is just, it's not really in the cards. Like it, it doesn't fit with where I'm now. So this small offering is meant to kind of yeah, but I love it because you, people can get the quality product that you've vetted. They're not wasting um, energy and yeah. hurting the planet by yeah. ordering online. Yeah, and, right. Yeah, right. So it matches your, yeah. your lifestyle. Oh, yeah, and you can ask, like, you can ask me, what is this? <laughs> and I can tell you. Right. And you can't necessarily, or is this good for me? You can't do that online. No, no, no. So another observation is you're very resilient, oh. <laughs> and you went through a rough time as most yoga studios did during the pandemic, you know, 2020 to 2023. I know a lot of the people that I associated with just closed the practice altogether. Yeah. They just said, no, I'm online forever, mm-hmm. not going to go back, not going to have a, uh, a rental because they were stuck in, in rental contracts mm-hmm. with no students yeah. that could come in. So how did you handle that sage? Well. I, I mean, probably fortunately, when I see a challenge, a problem, I, it's like, grrr, you know, like, now's the time. In fact, I sometimes wonder, why don't I work in any kind of emergency service? Because <laughs> I, that lights me up so much. Like, we, I helped on vacation one time someone whose car was stuck, and all of a sudden I felt like, yeah! So I don't know what that's about, but nonetheless, that spirit, um, came through. So even though it was a time where it was like, I don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I saw it as like, you know, I'll figure this out. You know, something came at me and I want to figure it out. And so like everyone else, immediately everything went online, mm-hmm. um, trying to figure out what do we put online? What works online? Um, what can I do with some of the other teachers, some of the other practitioners, what should I be doing myself? And so just became a massive offering, uh, mainly of classes of all kinds. So yoga classes, different courses in Ayurveda, um, really building an online community, which is super. Yeah. Congratulations. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for your, your spirit. Um, we are talking about the myth of business. So my, here's a personal question. How did a California school, because I know you got your own related training in California, and a Czech woman mm-hmm. end up in Kansas City? Ah, so I'm originally from Iowa. Um, I, I grew up in a small town in Iowa, which I, I, I know that many towns in Iowa are small. <laughs> um, sort of in central Iowa, a, a town called Toledo. And when I graduated high school, my family moved to Kansas City, oh. and then I went to undergrad at KU and went to chiropractic college here and honestly never really thought that I would stay. And it wasn't because I had a dislike for Kansas City. It was just like, I can go anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. And I didn't really want to be in Iowa necessarily. Thought I might move to a coast. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't finding what I wanted in terms of a practice, um, to be able to practice with someone as a chiropractor that was approaching it the same way that I was. And that's when Gina, which we've already talked about her, um, said, why don't you just practice out of the studio? And at first I thought, what? 
No, like that seems super unprofessional. Um, just setting up a temporary thing and taking it down and setting it up and taking it down. And then thought about it more and I was like, you know, I would have full control over what I want to do and this is the people that I want to see. Um, the community is already built in. And so it's, I guess I could say that I wound up here mainly because I, I ended up finding my people, right? Mm. Like I found the people that I connected with, found my favorite little places in town. Um, but as you know, there's no Ayurvedic school here. <laughs> yeah, so I guess again, it's like, if I want to do it bad enough, I'm going to figure out a way. So but, I commuted. And, and this gets yeah. to question yeah. that you mentioned. Uh, it was the bonus question that yeah. I wanted to jump to it. <clears throat> Have you ever been to The Raw in Fairfield, Iowa? I, I guess that's an Ayurveda yeah. science yeah. center that's supposed to be comparable to India. Right. So, yeah, The Raj is in um, a place in Fairfield called... So there's a whole area that's called Vedic City. Mm -hmm. um, so even the city itself is built on the principles of Vastu, which is um, also connected with Ayurveda. It's kind of like a feng shui, um, mm -hmm. a new feng shui, if you will. Um, and I've never been there, and I will say I had no awareness of it when I was growing up. Um, it's kind of serendipity. I right know. Here in Kansas city, I know. Right there I know. In your home state. Yeah. I did, um, in studying, the school that I went to in California is called Mount Madonna Institute, and it's kind of in the Bay Area, it's in Watsonville, um, and being that I wasn't local, anytime they would have something where it was like an externship or a mentorship, I was posing, you know, a, a bit of a challenge to them because I wasn't there, and I did at one point ask, you know, could I, because it's within driving distance, do some work at the Raj? And the Raj um, is connected with uh, the TM, the Transcendental Meditation um, Movement, um, which is it's great. It's just a slightly different, like the ways we were learning Ayurveda and the way that the Raj practices, on the surface they're the same, mm -hmm. um, but there's certain things that are different enough that my school is like, we want you to stick to certain practitioners right yeah so i i mean it's funny that i haven't made a trip there well and i do on, think about it a lot it's on my bucket list oh because it's, it's, <laughs> it's pricey right yeah it, it is definitely like expensive movie star prices. yeah and i have had um ayurveda clients that have been there um, mm -hmm. um prior to working with me i had people that went while working with me so that they would have an opportunity to practice um or to experience like a panchakarma mm -hmm. um, and some of the therapies that we couldn't offer at, at Sage, um, but I have not been. Yeah, well, mm -hmm. it could happen. It could yeah. be a road trip. <laughs> Speaking of road trip, um, you're very grounded and you have no car. You haven't had a car for five to six years. And I mean, when I first knew you didn't have a television set, now yeah. you have one that you watch on an intentional basis. Mm -hmm. So, why those two factors yeah. in your life? The TV thing really, um, I kind of just wasn't interested for a while. And in fact, I had a television. Um, I remember having an apartment and I had a television and they were coming to, like the cable company was coming. It was cable and internet were together, right? Mm -hmm. And there was someone coming to hook up internet. And I specifically said, I only need internet. And the guy goes, you don't want cable? Like, 
like, what is wrong with you? And so it's funny because he left um, to go set up and he came back and he goes, I gave you cable for free. So I had, <laughs> I had internet, which I paid for, and I had cable, but I really just didn't ever use it. Um, and then would use like occasionally like movies. And at the time I was like, DVD stores were still a thing. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of like, you know, kind of got tired of the consumer piece with television. Um, and like the commercials and just- Which are all pharmaceuticals. all pharmaceutical, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, I got to a point where I was so out of touch with commercials that I was somewhere, maybe like an airport where there was a television on and a commercial came on and it was for, um, it was like for a birth control, like an oral birth control and it said, there's no medical reason for you to have a period. And I just like stood at the television like, what? Yeah. And I, you know, I love going to movies and stuff like that. So it wasn't like I was, you know, completely out of touch with that sort of thing. Um, but it's like I want to be able to watch without that, yeah. right? Vomiting. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but the car piece was interesting because, um, I mean, this is more than you need to know or want to know. But I had a car and I was living um, only blocks from work never using my car and the battery kept going dead because I wasn't driving it enough to charge. I'd gone through three batteries. Mm -hmm. And so I finally thought, like, what if I just don't have a car? Mm -hmm. um, and at first it was a little like, ooh, a little scary, right? Because mm -hmm. you become really dependent on, on that. And right. then I was like, this is liberating. If I don't have a car, mm -hmm. I don't have to wash my car. I don't have to get my insurance. I don't have to have car insurance. I'm not going to forget something in my car and have to run back out to, to get it. So, I mean, there's definite downsides, but I love being able to walk everywhere. And it really, honestly, it helps build community, right? Mm -hmm. Because I get to see, be in touch with people that are my neighbors, that are also people that are, um, you know, like service providers in some way mm -hmm. or stores and I get to support them, so it's really nice. Yeah, yeah, there's a benefit and luckily Kansas City is expanding its streetcar line, yeah. so that's going to make it even more yeah. beneficial right. for you. Right. Do you have any other secrets for staying grounded in this fast-paced world? I love your intention of not just sitting on the couch and watching yeah. five hours of television yeah. or driving to six bars. Yeah. secret is. I think it's something we don't think about that much, so we'll call it a secret. Um, I pay attention to transitions and that could be an overarching like big transition, like a transition between seasons, um, using it as a time to evaluate like moving forward from one thing to the next. What do I need? What did I learn? Um, but it also might be on a more micro scale, like now I'm going to work, like I am walking to work, right? I'm no longer at home, I'm now at work. And I think that really is an opportunity for many of us to just, like when you drive somewhere, for example, if you, instead of rushing out of your car, you sit for a second with I've a car turned off, I've arrived, take a deep breath and then go. And I think that became for me essential because especially with living so close to work, it's like everything just kind of bled into right. 
And so I learned to honor transitions because that's the time that keeps, um, helps keep things from accumulating. It's like if you're naturally inserting a pause, uh, um, it can be a time just to downshift. It could be a time, like I said, to evaluate, but it's like a mini reset. It's like these little moments. So when you can observe your day and just kind of see lunch could be a transitional time, like to and from work, transitional time. Just these times where you can just stop and take like a few breaths, mm -hmm. close your eyes or mm -hmm. feel your feet. Yeah, I love the pause. I left corporate America for like the third time <laughs> in March because <laughs> I was, my, I had a dream of fatigue. I was just yeah. exhausted. I, I just I didn't want to keep up anymore. Yeah. I just didn't want that extra onslaught of work. And my husband called me yesterday. He's like, Brenda, it's 61 degrees. Go for a walk. Because I'm still a hard worker. Still, mm -hmm. of course, you other people's yeah. social media. Yeah. So it was a fantastic day. I go mm -hmm. for a walk. It's 2:30, and this red fox is coming right at me on a main oh. artery in Briarcliff. And I'm like, <laughs> What do I do? I go shake his hand. Yeah. And I'm like, Will he bite me? Hey, buddy. And so I just turned left, knowing that I didn't want to do a standoff with him. And he just sat on the road and let me decide. And then when I turned left, he just ran on by. It was such a magical oh. moment. So I love the transitions yeah. and honoring your body and what you need. Yeah. Well, and walks are like a secret weapon wow. for me too, because that's just, I feel like it's, there's no better time for mental processing mm -hmm. than just like a solitary walk. So you're so not doing it at your bed and listening to podcasts, you're just kind of... I love doing that, but I also like not. Nothing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And just feeling like I can witness the things that are happening around me. Mm -hmm. And um, so I guess it's kind of both, right? Like I take, it's time to tune in, mm -hmm. but it's also time to tune out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love walks too. Tell me about your diet and your eating habits. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's yeah. fair to use the word diet in Ayurveda. Yeah, I mean, you could say an Ayurvedic <laughs> diet. Diet is such a funny word, isn't it? Um, so the biggest thing with eating for me is, is not just the what, it's like the how, um, and the when and the why. So, um, so before even considering the foods, like, okay, making sure I'm having three meals, that they're spaced apart in a way that, um, helps my digestive system. Um, that if I'm snacking, it's with purpose. It's not just like a random mindless grazing, mm -hmm. um, being careful with water consumption and that I'm having enough, I'm not having too much, I'm not realizing that I haven't had enough and then guzzling an entire 30 ounce bottle or something. Mm -hmm. um, so all of those pieces, I guess we can call that like mindful eating in a way, sitting down to eat, yes. um, not, not being in a loud place. So those, those things I would say are the most important with diet, with eating. And then I explain my eating otherwise in layers because uh, Ayurveda has doshic. Um, there's constitutions, of course. So if you and I are the same or different constitutions, it means that we're eating for ways that we need to keep us in balance by both feeding us like if you're someone that likes spicy food you gotta have the, the spicy <laughs> food um mm -hmm. but you also can't have too much of it so so layers like that which are um, the first layer is to not bring myself into a state of imbalance um like on a hot day if i'm already feeling overheated or let's say i had a heat rash it's like 
gotta be really aware um, that I'm eating for that imbalance, or it could be something that to eat. It's not a hot day. Maybe not, <laughs> no, but there might be a hot day where that is worthy, right? If it's a hot day and I'm feeling really sluggish and I need a little kick, then that makes sense, right? So that's why that's the first layer. It's like, what do I need right now? Mm-hmm. Uh, the second layer has to do with the season. So right now in the fall and winter, um, it's really reducing like always we have more cooked foods, but especially this time of year, cooked foods probably not having as many fruits and because um, they're not available. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that layer is really important. And then just like the inherent need, like I'm, for example, like a naturally dry person. So I always have to make sure I'm having enough healthy fats. Um, yeah, so it's a layered, layered approach for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I went through your, um, spring reset maybe mm-hmm. know, 10 years ago and it was one of the healthiest things I've done for myself because mm-hmm. I've done the juice fast and the lemonade and cayenne and all the really <laughs> not healthy things to do out there and the kitchery and the um, almond butter with some ghee in it yeah. which is so I looked forward to it yeah and and, and cooking fresh and mm-hmm. not having leftovers mm-hmm. was a big uh-huh. aha yeah. yeah so we live on leftovers in America it's totally when when learning about like leftovers aren't great you know um they lose a lot of their energy and mm-hmm. um storing and heating and all that i realize i don't really like leftovers that much and so i you know try to cook mainly what quantity yeah right versus oh, and there are some things that i know like for convenience sake like i'm a sucker for soup so it's like oh heck yeah i'm gonna make a big pot of soup <laughs> And will I have it for like four meals? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that favors, I, I think Ayurveda would approve because it would say um, it would be better to have that as a leftover and to bring myself some sort of state of ease over not stressing about like, am I not going to have anything to eat? Am I going to eat something that's not as good for me? Um, I, I just have this feeling that, that leftover soup is better than going and grabbing like something in a package, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> a good old cherry lime. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> tell us your stance on consumption of alcohol and coffee and then, then the Ayurvedic stance on it. Yeah. I'm going to tell you the Ayurvedic way first. <laughs> Just to give you a little twist. Ayurveda is always a everything is medicine, you know, like everything is medicine and everything is poison, mm. right? So, oh, nothing is good, nothing is bad, everything is good and everything is bad. So there's a time and place. Um, does that mean that everything is okay for everyone? Absolutely not. So with coffee, um, there's a season for coffee. It's the spring. Mm. Spring is best because coffee is a bit acidic. Um, it's a little drying and the time of year that we would need that is the spring we need the heat and we need more astringent foods because the air is really wet and we're trying to balance the thaw of winter um, so it's it's like yeah there's caffeine in it but you know it's not all bad um, and then alcohol I mean alcohol within Ayurveda is, is a lot of medicines are wines they're mm-hmm. like a, an herbal wine and so obviously not drank in the same way that, right. yeah um so alcohol is not meant for like this would be 
That's it's actually like I'm thinking of like a time of year even like that mm-hmm. maybe someone would have alcohol and it's like you know there's not not quite the same recommendations as we might see with coffee and that never would I be like you're gonna you need to have more coffee <laughs> it's not that you sure. yeah. and I I I took a long pause from having coffee a long pause from having alcohol um Coffee probably less, and, and alcohol was like around somewhere around like 13, 11, 12, somewhere in that range. And then all of a sudden realized like, am I somehow limiting myself? And it wasn't, you know, I didn't have reasons. It was just like, I don't really feel great all the time if I have coffee. Alcohol doesn't love me, that's for sure. Like having an alcoholic drink might make me feel good. One might make me feel absolutely sick, like throw up kind of sick, um, like one. And so I just thought, oh, you know, I'm not someone that craves this stuff. So mm-hmm. I took a long break from it. But then thought, you know, maybe there are times, like maybe I'm limiting myself. Maybe I am having like a holiday meal and think, oh, look, I want to have a glass of wine. Um, but coffee, I just love coffee. <laughs> Dang it. I know. Yeah. But I will say I have to be careful. So I have to make sure I've had enough water and food before consuming coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, if I have too much, I will be like, my respiration rate increases. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, I, I swear I smell. Coffee <laughs> makes me stink. Um, but yeah, but I just like, I love the taste of coffee. I love the ritual of it. And that's why I thought like, if I love this, I want to figure out how I can have it mm-hmm. instead of just yeah. restricting. Yeah, I like that you're going back to the intentional component. How mm-hmm. does it make me feel? How does it make my yeah. stomach feel? How does it make my pulse feel? Yeah. Yeah. Listen to that because I think we mindlessly do it. And it totally. becomes like, ah, oh, let's have another yeah. glass of wine. It's and not I think one even one. with diets or eating, like having certain restrictions with eating, um, there is a limitation. And to say, like, I'm never, ever, ever going to have this. Um, like I'm never ever ever going to have, I don't know, gluten or like, I don't know, I don't like that okay. feeling. It's like, let's figure out how we could make this work if it is something that I want. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Even, um, I'm gluten intolerant, mm-hmm. but if I eat really high quality bakery goods like Ibis Bakery yeah. Yeah. or sourdough, no yeah. problem whatsoever. I had some Ibis bread. Oh, the other day. I'm doing it. <laughs> That's just it though, right? Yes. Like, if this is going to make me feel good right now, and sometimes it's like, you just need that. Mm-hmm. Like, why yeah. not? Yeah, listen to your body. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about people, going to shift gears back from yeah. eating to yoga? Mm-hmm. I know that I try to do yoga two or three times a week, and it really... My husband was so happy when the pandemic left it and I could go back to yoga. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I was a little edgy and cranky. And I'm sorry, the digital yeah. yoga just wasn't right. communal. Yeah. I wanted to yeah. chant with people. I wanted to feel yeah. vibration in the room. Yeah. Um, but I, I go to it for the mental. Mm-hmm. I have depression. It really helps mm-hmm. me mentally ground. Yeah. But some people just go because they want tight buns, tight buns, good arms. What do you What do you feel about people using it as exercise versus yeah. a lifestyle? So, in a very timely way, a friend of mine has just yesterday posted something on social media. She's very um, wise within like Vedic traditions and. Um, 
she said something about if you want to practice yoga, like yoga can be exercise. And she said, but it's not called asana. Like asana is, is translates to seat. So asana means, means asana is like the postures we do. Mm -hmm. um, asana is meant to prepare you for meditation, right? Mm -hmm. um, to be able to sit, to be able to feel more subtle, to have a breathing practice, to have a clearer mm -hmm. mind, etc. And that, um, and actually the word for exercise, which is also used in Ayurveda, it starts with a V, but it's, it's V-Y, and I'm going to stop there <laughs> before I butcher it. Um, it's a different word, right? And so she's saying like that, like your yoga as exercise is not asana, right? And I love that she said that because I don't want to say that you can't use yoga postures for fitness, right? Because they're great. Mm -hmm. You can build great core strength, your balance, like stuff that you might not get from going out running or even lifting weights. It's very different. So I appreciate that and I would never take that away from someone. However, <laughs> it if you are only extracting that exercise and fitness piece from what feels like a very well-developed like tradition practice philosophy you're missing a huge piece mm -hmm. and you're missing out on the ability to build awareness about yourself to um have an idea of how to tune in to tune out to like to be able to shift gears and it's just i don't like some of that can naturally come from yoga no matter the intention right like teaching a class but it's obviously going to come through much more if the teacher like has designed the class in a way mm -hmm. that helps you with those pieces that they understand why pranayama is important why pratyahara is important important so yeah they're different it's different it's like one time i signed up for budget reasons, for a package of yoga at the Y. Yeah. I went to one and didn't even oh. ask for a refund because I was so appalled at how different it was. Yeah. Right. It's just like, this is, I didn't come here to speed yoga. They were just in there to sweat. Yeah, and I do think that now we see more of that, that it, there's more fast moving. Mm -hmm. um, and actually so much that I would say we probably, my preference is to teach something that is a little slower. And so as a studio, um, I'm sure that we had people come in as new students that never came back because they probably thought, well, what is this? Some kind of beginner yoga? And I was like, no, that's just hard. Like the reason why you're not coming back is because you're, you don't want to sit with your thoughts. Like you don't want to sit with your mind. And so, yeah, I had no, I mean, at first it's a little devastating that you you're like, oh, that person's gonna want to come back. And then yeah. you're like, well, that's great, because yeah. like that's not what I'm offering. Not a fit. Yeah. Not yeah. A fit. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> um, speaking of not a fit, I am very disappointed in um, the American healthcare system. I've worked for big hospitals for 30 years and have decided to to use my marketing skills to help functional medicine practitioners because mm -hmm. I believe in their work. I believe it's what's gonna make a difference in the future. How do you feel? Our healthcare system in America is not hitting the mark, falling short. Mm -hmm. Well, I, f I feel like insurance has a big role, like if we're to assume that it's not hitting the mark, 
Um, I also have to assume that that's a piece of it, is that we all need healthcare, mm -hmm. and we can't afford healthcare. And so insurance helps us with that, right? But what that does with a practitioner, a healthcare practitioner, is that they then have to provide an insurance company with certain codes. They may be limited in the procedures that they can, or tests that they do because someone's insurance isn't going to pay for it. Mm -hmm. And so we end up having care that is dictated by an insurer, which isn't great because it's taking the expertise away from the person who is with the patient right. in the moment. Um, I also feel like that's the big reason why we feel rushed many times in offices is that you're going to your doctor and they have five to ten minutes with you, which is maybe even generous, um, because they have to get to the next person because they're not getting like they're not able to spend that time. They're not being paid, and they're on a quota. They have to meet twenty certain, to twenty-five people yeah, a day. Yeah. So probably one of one of the things that I feel is like an underlying cause would be our broken healthcare system in terms of insurance and so forth. But then as a trickle down effect, it's that we just don't we're not getting time. Mm -hmm. um, I don't. I never experienced the idea of what, and maybe I just have this illusion of the um, the family doctor that would like come to your home with a doctor bag. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Is that even a thing? I have this idea that that was a thing, and mm -hmm. that that doctor maybe was like the only doctor in a small town. They know all the families. They know the background. We can't have that, but I just think there are so many valuable pieces from that model mm -hmm. that would serve in such a way that we're not getting. In fact, there's a, a branch of medicine that has evolved in the last 20 to 25 years called narrative medicine. And when I explained it to my partner, he said, isn't that just like bedside manner? Because narrative medicine is taking time to use, I mean, it's essentially using the arts and reading and writing and mm -hmm. to develop listening, mm -hmm. empathy skills and so forth. So it's like things we expect our doctors to have, but now we have a separate system called narrative medicine that helps with that and it's helping to build a story. And basically what it is, it is kind of like bedside manner and asking mm -hmm. a practitioner to take time to learn about you. Right. Yeah. Cause like, I want to know about you. If you're coming to me, I'm going to know about you. Yeah. Yeah. It's like funny that we are kind of going full circle yeah. because my husband's, um, deceased father was a physician mm -hmm. and he chose to go to one of the poorest cities to work. He could have mm -hmm. worked in Kansas City where he yeah. graduated, but he went to Oklahoma, worked on a reservation mm -hmm. centric community. Mm -hmm. And we have his book log at our house of everyone he saw charging three dollars for a visit here. He comped so many right. visits because he was there to give. But that's so rare. Totally. I mean if that's where if you went into healthcare with the idea of providing and, and caring that you have like that happens right like you are going to end up like I comp someone visit because I had asked her to chat with someone else about surgery I had two patients and one of them was getting ready to have back surgery and one had had back surgery and I knew that it would help her to, to talk with this other person I thought she didn't care that you know if she if I gave her a free visit or not but I just felt like I want to do 
I want this connection to be made with, mm -hmm. with permission mm -hmm. um, because it's going to help everyone. It was interesting because that the woman who had had surgery previously said it was so therapeutic for her to talk to this person who was going to have surgery because she was able to kind of you know talk about her experience and process some of the things that she went through. And I was like, mm -hmm. that's. That's so awesome. important, right? Yeah. Yeah. Good for you for doing that. Let's shift gears and talk about your books. And I think it's it's great that you didn't watch a lot of TV because you wouldn't have had time to be a yoga yeah. practitioner, get yeah. your Ayurvedic degree, and write two books, which is yeah. so amazing. Yeah. And congratulations on that. Yeah. So you have a book. Your first book was Ayurvedic Self-Care Handbook. Mm -hmm. And that came out, what year was that? That was in 2019. Yeah, in April of 2019. Um, my thesis was about um, the impact of routine on someone's health. Mm -hmm. um, so just like a short pilot study. Um, it was like I surveyed 275 people, asking them what their daily routine was like, and then asking them what their health was like, their health history. And I found that it was the people that were consistent. It wasn't mm -hmm. like I'm having all the right foods, but I'm having it at sporadic times, or like maybe I do this, but I, you know, it's occasionally. It was like I get up at this time every day and I do it every single day. Mm -hmm. Those were the people, like, even if they weren't having, like, if they didn't have an impeccable diet, they were the healthiest. And so that's the impetus behind. That's why farmers are so healthy. I know. And with the cows. Um, right? breakfast. And um, yeah, they're in nature the whole time. Like, mm -hmm. their whole job mm -hmm. is reading nature. So my first book was really about, you know, how do we connect with routine um, in a way to care for ourselves that we don't have to rely on even sometimes like herbal therapies, like it's natural, right? But we're still using it in a way that we might use pharmaceuticals. Mm -hmm. So perhaps better for us, but also are we really, is the application that much different? So the Ayurvedic Self-Care Handbook was about helping people to understand how you can incorporate routine um, and some of the foundational principles of Ayurveda that are easier um, and also accessible because I found that many books were, you know, written in a way that were too heady or just didn't feel approachable. Um, and like, if we want Ayurveda to stick around, we have to figure out how do we use this in the modern world. I don't want to, to, to throw away any of the tradition or mm -hmm. to, I always want to be respectful of of that and history and my teachers and whatnot, but we also have to figure out how, how does this work now? Well, I'm going to read, um, cause you probably, you're very humble and, um, it was 2019, but your teacher said this about your book and this is from Gina. This is on Amazon. <laughs> Sarah's expertise as a healer, both as an Ayurvedic practitioner and chiropractor is abundantly evident in the Ayurvedic self-care handbook. But what really shines through are her gifts as a teacher. This is the most accessible, logical, practical book of Ayurveda I've ever read. It's now required reading at my teacher practice programs in Colorado. Gina Caputa, founder and director of the Colorado School of Yoga. Yeah. Yeah. So she's a cheerleader. That's um, why I like her. Yeah. And here's another one because I want you to, to realize Aww. the impact that you're having in the world, in our culture, where our traditions and rituals have been forgotten. The Ayurvedic self-care handbook reminds us of our health, longevity, and happiness depends on circadian rituals. Mm -hmm. 
That's from John Dooliard. Dooliard, yeah. Mm -hmm. One of your teachers? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. You were a prom dancer. No, of course I was. Front row. Actually, I always sat back in Iron Agreements. Oh, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I loved going to Amazon and reading the reviews because everything that you're saying is true. You have, I don't want to say dumbed it down, you've made it. accessible for people that yeah. don't know about this 3,000-year-old practice and what impact it yeah. still has on the world. Yeah, so. yeah. if you want people to embrace it, they have to understand it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then your second book, mm-hmm. um, Seven Ways of Ayurveda, mm-hmm. which is up here, mm-hmm. came out in May of 2022. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which honestly is a little bit of a blur because I wrote a book proposal for that in 2020 um, and had a publisher pick up, my same publisher pick it up at the end of 2020, so I started writing in 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, but such a different world and the publishing was so different at the time, just, um, I don't know, just like things were different. So Because of the pandemic? Yeah, totally. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, because like my publisher, they weren't working out of office and uh-huh. um, I mean, it wasn't that it was that different, but even they said, you know, like, publishing books now, launching books, it's it's, it's changing, mm-hmm. um, even from how it's changed since having social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just say that because I feel like I I feel like I haven't given it enough attention, like I did in my first book, in terms of letting people know that it exists. Um, because launching my first book was a bigger deal. And then by the time I was able to get the second one out, I was like, I'm kind of tired, mm-hmm. you know? Well, it was an exhausting time. Yeah, and I have already been on social media so much. Yeah, and you were fighting to keep this Yeah, and it's like, oof, yeah. Um, but I have to say, I'm super proud of it because we, as a Western culture, when we learn about different traditions, we always take the physical pieces and we leave the emotional, mental, the non-tangible aside. Mm-hmm. And as I was realizing, and this all comes through just like clinical like experience working with people, and I just kind of noticed like, it's so interesting that because I know Ayurveda, I end up knowing the person who's sitting in front of me before they even realize it, or I know them better. Mm-hmm. And I thought, this is something, right? Like if people could understand what I understand about them, then it's like, I kept thinking like the self-care handbook, right? The first book was about how do you care for yourself? But this book, it's like, how do you know how mm-hmm. to care for your, like, how do you know? Cause if you don't know yourself and you don't have, self-awareness, how would you even know that you needed that? And so the seven ways is about the doshic combinations and um, mental, behavioral, emotional pieces. Well, I encourage everyone to read both books. I've read the newest the newest release, but I need to go back and read the handbook. But the diagrams, the illustrations, the wisdom is very helpful. And making adjustments in your life, and you just need to make small ones. You don't need to do the whole thing. Just hopefully. Well, that's the other thing is that if you're someone that like, there are people who love playing around with their diet, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you think that Ayurveda is only about diet and only about using a tongue cleaner and, <laughs> and herbs, and you don't understand that 
it can actually tell you why you're angry all the time. Or, you know, it's like, why not? Or, or as I was sort of explaining it to other people, it's like, if you imagine the Enneagram as a medical system, it's like kind of the gateway, right? If you have interest in learning about how people have, it's not to type them and put them into a category necessarily, but maybe the entry piece isn't diet. Maybe the entry piece is really that understanding of how you are. Mm -hmm. yeah. said. So I will put links in my YouTube channel to both of these books because I think they're uh, essential learning uh, if you want to be well in this very Western-dominated world. Now let's talk about something fun, your cat. <laughs> I love I'm happy to talk about my cat. <laughs> Why is your name Bear? And uh -huh. is, what, is he a Maine Coon or what is he? So Bear, I, Bear, when I adopted him, um, his adoption says, adoption papers say that he's a short-haired tabby. <laughs> so if you've seen the picture of Bear, he's like a lion. Like, full mane. Royalty. Mm -hmm. Um, so I have to imagine that he has a little bit of Maine Coon because he's mm -hmm. a fluffster. He's mm -hmm. so fluffy. He was not like that when I first, you know, he was super skinny mm -hmm. and just a little three-month-old kitten. Um, but his name, I love Marvel um, and DC. I love like superhero things. Um, so he's actually named after a DC character who is the Flash. So the Flash's name is Barry Allen. Oh gosh. So Bear is really Barry Allen. I thought, oh, I can name him Barry Allen. I also really love bears because I like their little bums. Their little like, they look like they're wearing joggers, right? And Bear kind of has that little jogger, yeah. fur jogger, fur pants. He's look. so photogenic. Or oh maybe my you like him photogenic. Laying with all your books. So photogenic, yeah. <laughs> So his name's Barry Allen, but I call him Bear. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love seeing him on your Instagram. Page. Yeah, he's like, he's like, what is my Instagram? <laughs> it is cat. It is one cat. <laughs> um, what are you proud of most in your career in the wellness field right now? I mean, it's it, you're always doing something different, but what's your your big? Oh, I'm so happy I did that. Or so proud. Yeah. Well, I think you know it probably is that. I stuck to my values, my ethics, like really the things, like I didn't alter, um, like even from day one, like I was telling you that starting a practice out of a yoga studio, it's like, I'm going to do that instead of practicing with someone else in a way that doesn't align with me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that doing that has led to other things that I am proud of, like building a strong community because mm -hmm. even though... Sage has clothes, and like I haven't seen you've been a part of the Sage mm -hmm. community, I haven't seen you. We can pick up, you know, years yeah. later, and it's just because there's that strong connection. And I have mm -hmm. to, I have to believe that a part of that is that I was willing to stay true to my own beliefs and um, to teach in a genuine mm -hmm. way. Um, so I think, like, one is, um, you know, leads to the other, it's that. Staying aligned with morals and values and ethics, and um, but the community is like, mm, yeah, you've done a great the job. Best. There. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, how do you feel you're healing the world? Because my podcast is about you know people that are humbly, really making a difference. Mm -hmm. how, how do you feel you're doing that? I think it's about helping people to 
you know, like the impetus behind the books in terms of them understanding and like teaching them about themselves. But I also realized that something I think that I do a fairly good job at is helping people to feel seen. Mm-hmm. And through that, encouraging them to be themselves and to express what they need to express. And um, my intent with having a space anywhere, like the previous space that I worked out of and this space here is to help people feel like they can be vulnerable. Like if you want to cry, cry. If you are trans and you're going through that transition now, great. Like this, Mm -hmm. you can be here and I'm not going to judge you. And so I think it's, um, I think it's that is that I'm helping people to be themselves, mm-hmm. um, which is weird as a healthcare practitioner. <laughs> right? Maybe that's weird, but um, it's important, right? Like that's a component of health. Like I can. I love it though because we're so taught, oh, be this way, and you go to yeah. church, be this way, you go to corporate America, be this way, and and it, it gets confusing. Who am I? So it's great right. that you're helping people yeah. be who they are. Yeah. All right, we're to the bonus questions. I kind of prepped Sarah with some of these questions, so we're going to see, there's I think five here. (laughs) Do you have a nickname? Oh my gosh. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to share this with you. So my last, this is kind of not good. Oh. Yeah. You can edit it. It's It's not not that bad, but so, well, it's not that great. (laughs) Um, So my last name is Kuchera. Um, and I naively was called Cooch. My entire like from high. I mean, I'm I'm like what you know. I it's just a, an abbreviation of my last name, right? Cooch, Coochie. Um, I've not been called that in a very very long time. But I will tell you, back in the day, it was okay to say that. Now, yeah, now now I realize. Chuckle that like we're outside of my high school or hometown or whatever. I'm just like, what's that? Like, what's that about? It's my last name, for God's sakes. And later in life, I was like, something different about that. So I've not been called that, but like teachers called me that. Ooh. Like, yeah, yeah. Hardly a safe word. Must be. I mean, I don't know about now. But okay, it was. let's go to the. But no one could call me that. No, let's not go there. <laughs> It's Friday night. Do you have big plans? Ooh, I don't. Um, plans tonight are, well, cooking is always a big plan. Um, and then my partner and I have been redoing our home a little bit. We have a small condo and have been making changes to it to make it feel comfy. Mm-hmm. And tonight is kind of like a, we kind of need to wrap up a project. Yeah. So isn't that wild? Yeah. <laughs> Do you think Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey are a match? Someone asked me that yesterday. No, I was trying to be like out of the left field. Someone, you know what they asked? They asked if I thought it was real. Oh. And um, publicity. I don't know. Um, and I have to say I don't even know enough about either. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm a little embarrassed to say. I mean, thank God I know who Travis Kelsey is. (laughs) Um, I do not know all the Chiefs players. I'm gonna go with yes. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I want it to work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Already asked about the Raj. And then what is your favorite yoga pose? That just you just can't get enough of it. Mmm. Parigasana. 
So it's a side, Parigasana is called gate pose and it's like a nice side opener. Um, I love Parigasana. I also am a sucker for supported fish pose where you have blocks mm -hmm. underneath your spine. Mm -hmm. Opening your heart. Oh yeah. Yeah, because we're always yeah. this. Give it to me. Love me some happy baby. You have cast and flying <laughs> colors as I'm doing this. And I can't wait to share it with the world because you have so many wonderful things to offer Kansas City and everywhere. So thank you, Sarah. You're welcome. Thank you. Whoa.